He says that true blessing is rooted in the person of Jesus. Because of the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus, you've been given freedom from bondage and a new life. This is real blessing. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Numbers chapter 22 as he continues his message, The Way of Baal. He says, In verse 33, the donkey saw me and turned aside from me these three times. She had not turned aside from me. Surely I would have killed you and let her live. He said, look, you want to kill the donkey? If the donkey didn't do what the donkey did, I was going to kill you and she was going to go free. His way was completely backwards. Verse 34, and Balaam said to the angel, I have sinned. For I did not know you stood in the way against me. Now, therefore, if it displeases you, I will turn back now. Check this out. See, Balaam knows that what he did was wrong because he got caught. Now listen, it isn't only wrong if you get caught. It's wrong because it's wrong. The fact that he got caught was because it was wrong. See, our culture says get away with it until you get caught. And then when you get caught, you either lie about it or you own it, but you're only owning it because you got caught. But that is not God's way. See, when you get caught, You either lie about it to save face or you own it to try and save face another way. But it's not wrong only if you get caught. It's wrong because it's wrong. And as followers of Jesus, we shouldn't wait to get caught or hope that we don't get caught because you know that your Bible says that your sin is going to find you out. It's going to come out because God loves us too much to keep it hidden. He loves us too much. It comes out. It has to come out because God is the truth. And he brings the truth to life. So don't make the mistake of thinking, I haven't gotten caught yet, so I'm I'm away with it. No, 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 listen. It's always better to bring it out into the open and deal with it and own it. Don't wait till you get caught. Because now he's like, I've sinned. I didn't know you were there to kill me. I'll go back. He shouldn't even have been there in the first place. But he was there. But notice, and again, I love the way the Lord works. Because look what it says in verse 35. The angel of the Lord said to Balaam, go with the men, but only the word that I speak to you, that you shall speak. So Balaam went with the princes to Balak. So we find here now that what you get is he says, look, you're already going. You're only allowed to say what I tell you to say. And what you're going to find is over the next couple chapters, you're going to end up with four long prophecies 
each one a blessing to the children of Israel. He's still going to go, but he's only going to say what the angel of the Lord lets him say, and it's always going to be a word of blessing. So actually now, the king of the Moabites thinks he's getting a prophet to curse the children of Israel, but actually he's going to end up paying the prophet to bless the children of Israel. So look at what happens. Verse 36. Now, when Balak heard that Balaam was coming, he went out to meet him at the city of Moab, which was on the border at the Arnon and the boundary of the territory. Verse 37. Then Balak said to Balaam, did I not earnestly send you calling for you? Why did you not come to me? Am I not able to honor you? And Balaam said to Balak, look, I have come to you. Now, have I any power at all to say anything? The word that God puts in my mouth that I must speak. So Balaam went with Balak, and they came to Kerjath Uzoth. Then Balak offered oxen and sheep, and he sent some to Balaam and to the princes who were with him. So it was, verse 41, the next day that Balak took Balaam and brought him up to the high places of Baal, that from there he might observe the extent of the people. And so what you end up having here is finally Balak gets to meet Balaam. He says, look, didn't I, why did I have to send another person? Can I honor you? And Balak's like, listen, I'm here now, but I can't say. I can only say what God lets me say. And so then they begin what was very common rituals. They start offering sacrifices. They, all these different things that were, some of them were common practices. This is, I would not say this is not the children of Israel style of worship, but there was animal sacrifices involved. Appeasing deities, all these different things start going on. And Balak is going through the motions. Now, before we get into chapter 23 and the first prophecy, Balaam's name pops up two times in the New Testament in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 15, it says this. They have forsaken the right way and gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but he was rebuked for his iniquity. A dumb donkey speaking with a man's voice restrained the madness of the prophet. Then in Jude It's only got one chapter. Jude verse 11 says, the error of Balaam, which was for profit. So Balaam's seen in the New Testament as a prophet whose main mistake was that he loved making money no matter how he made it. Now, that's a challenging statement now, isn't it? Because for a lot of us, we'll do anything to make money. I've used the example before. It's a crude example. There was a very wealthy businessman. He saw a very beautiful young lady, and he said, can we spend the night together for a million dollars? She thought about it and shocked by it and said, sure. Okay. And he said, so can we spend the night together for $50? She said, what, do you think I'm a harlot? He said, well, you've already proved that you are. We're just haggling over costs right now. It's a provocative statement, isn't it? He's saying, look, if you're willing to sell your body for money, we're just arguing over cost. You're saying that the money is more important than than this, so why can't we talk about price? And we live in a culture, and there's been movies made about this, about a very wealthy man, and like, we live in a culture. What will you do for money? Will you rejoice in the wages of unrighteousness? 
Now, don't get me wrong. We need to make livings and pay our bills. But we don't want to make our livings and pay our bills making money in ways that dishonor God. And the way of Balaam is doing the wrong things for money. That's the principle. He finds his way into the New Testament two times, both about the wages of unrighteousness. So listen, brothers and sisters, you need to make a living, you need to pay your bills, but you need to make your living and pay your bills in something that honors God. And if what you do for money does not honor God, then you need to find a new course of action or else you're living the way of Balaam. You're making money in a way that dishonors the Lord, and this is the error of Balaam, that God had a dumb donkey speaking with a man's voice to restrain, as it says, the madness of the prophet. The prophet, in God's eyes, was mad. He was out of his mind. Okay, now let's look at the prophecies. In verse 41 of 22, so it was the next day that Balak took Balaam and they brought him up to the high places of Baal. So this is a mountaintop where they worshiped Baal so that he can get a, observe the extent of the people. So they're, look, imagine they're on a mountain overlooking the children of Israel. And then notice it says, then Balaam said to Balak, build seven altars for me. This is Numbers 23 verse 1. Here and prepare for me here seven bulls and seven rams. And Balak did just as Balaam had spoken. And Balak and Balaam offered a bull and a ram on each altar. Then Balaam said to Balak, Stand by your burnt offerings, and I will go. Perhaps the Lord will come to meet me. And whatever he shows me, I will tell you. So he went to a desolate height. And God met Balaam and said to him, I have prepared the seven altars, and I have offered on each altar a bull and a ram. Then the Lord put a word in Balaam's mouth and said, return to Balak and thus you shall speak. So he returned to him and there he was standing by his burnt offerings, he and all the princes of Moab. Verse seven, and he took up his oracle and said, Balak the king of Moab has brought me from Aram, from the mountains of the east. Come, curse Jacob for me and come denounce Israel. How shall I curse whom God is not cursed? And how shall I denounce whom the Lord has not denounced? For from the top of the rocks I see him, and from the hills I behold him. There are people dwelling alone, not reckoning itself among the nations. Who can count the dust of Jacob? Or number one-fourth of Israel? Let me die the death of the righteous, and let my end be like his. And then Balak said to Balaam, what have you done to me? I took you to curse my enemies, and look, you have blessed them bountifully. So he answered and said, must I not take heed to speak what the Lord had put in my mouth? See what goes on. They prepare these seven altars, and there's two sacrifices for each altar. And Balaam says, look, I want you to sacrifice these animals. Wait here by your offering. I'm going to go, and if the Lord gives me a word, I'm going to come back and tell you. And sure enough, the Lord comes. Balaam says, hey, we got the altar set up. What do you got? And God gives him a word. I want you to say this word. And as you read it, what you realize is the first prophecy is kind of a recap of what's going on. God is saying, I realize that Balak, the king of Moab, is involved in this. And he brought the prophet to come and curse Jacob and to denounce Israel. But then he starts in verse 8. How shall I curse whom God has not cursed? And how shall I denounce whom the Lord has not 
denounced. See, this is important. Whom God has blessed is blessed. And whom God has not is not. No matter what we got going for us. And that's an important reality, isn't it? Because oftentimes we forget that we do not make all the decisions, but God does. Now, that doesn't mean that some, because somebody always ends up struggling with, well, why does so-and-so, they made billions of dollars and they're horrible people, and what's up with that? Read Psalm 73, because Asaph struggled with that. He saw the way the unrighteous proliferated and, and were materially blessed. And he said that he almost slipped. His foot almost slipped. He almost stumbled in his faith because he saw unrighteousness seeming to be blessed. And he said, I remembered their latter end. I took the long view. I remembered where they land, those who live unrighteously in rebellion. They seem blessed now, but this life is not the only determining factor of blessing. That we have to take an eternal view of life. I think so often we struggle with that, don't we? We want to cut corners in the here and now to get a little, seemingly a little farther in the here and now, and we forget that there is long-term consequences to decisions. And not only in this life, but in the life hereafter, in eternity. You cannot denounce who God has blessed. And you cannot bless whom God has denounced. Now, you say something like that, and quite simply the question becomes, well, who has God blessed? And that answer is simple. God has blessed those who have put their faith and trust in his son, Jesus Christ. Because if you read the Sermon on the Mount, you read that all of God's blessings is contained in the life and the death and the resurrection of the Son of God. Because those who have been given the Spirit have been granted glorious liberty in Christ. That's where God's blessing is found. And I'm here to tell you, if you are God's child and you have health issues, financial issues, family issues, you're still the most blessed person in the world because you're God's child. And if you are not God's child and you are the most beautiful, talented, wealthy person, you have everything, but you have nothing. See, God's riches are never determined by the size of our bank accounts or the way we take vacations. Our world says that it is. I remember the old bumper sticker, the, he who dies with the most toys wins. Remember that one? Yeah, that was a dumb one, wasn't it? And then you saw the follow-up bumper sticker later. Someone got a little sharp and witty and they said, well, he who dies with the most toys is still dead. You know, and then someone said, have you ever seen like a hearse carrying a dead body with a U-Haul attached to it with all their toys? You don't take that stuff with you. Doesn't matter. The toys are fine. They're toys. But you don't take them with you. You entered the world with you and you leave. Naked you came in. Naked you're going to go out. And that's why Jesus could say something as, audacious and still so powerful. What does it profit a person if they gain the whole world and they lose their own soul? Jesus said that 2,000 years ago, and it's just as true right now as when he said it. 
What does it get somebody if they have everything but they lose everything? But still people want to gain the whole world and lose their own souls. Because the human condition, although cultures change, the human condition is still the same. Nobody's defined by the size of their house, how fashionable their clothes are. That's not what defines us. The weight of the human soul is defined by the presence of the Spirit of God. That's where weightiness is found, my friends. That's where blessing is found. And I love the way this prophecy ends because Balak, in effect, is like, look, let me die the death of the righteous and let my end be. He's like, look, I want to die the way Jacob dies. He's like, Jacob is God's righteous chosen child. And however he goes out, I want to go out the same way. And Balak gets mad. He's like, what have you done? I brought you here to curse them and you blessed them bountifully. He's like, dude, didn't you get the memo? This is a cursing mission. This whole blessing thing, it's not good. It's not good. And then Balaam, you know, and I love this. Balaam blames the Lord. He's like, must I not heed to speak what the Lord has put in my mouth? Now listen, here's what I want to tell you. Only blame the Lord if you're quoting scripture. Okay, please? Because you know what people do all the time? And it's amazing. Sometimes we get, and I want to talk to those of you who've been in church for a while. Sometimes you've been in church so long, you know how to make every decision you make sound like it came from God on Sinai, and it's not. It's just you know how to say it in a way that sounds really spiritual. The Lord, this is my favorite one. I feel led of the Lord to not fulfill my commitment, and I got to go. Okay, so, so you made a commitment, you're not going to fulfill your commitment, and that's the Lord's fault. Because my Bible says you got to let your yes be yes or your no, no. I don't say that stuff because they say, okay. Listen, don't blame God for something unless you're quoting scripture. Right? If God's going to get put on the block for being the naughty one, make sure you're saying, well, listen. And the only time someone says, well, I really don't like the fact that you believe that Jesus is the only way. But listen, my Bible says that Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one gets to the Father but by me. Sorry, I didn't write it. But oftentimes we use the Lord as an excuse to do what we want to do. I used to call it felt-led disease. You go to church long, you got felt-led disease. And don't get me wrong, God leads. God leads. But it's amazing how often people who love Jesus use God as an excuse because they just don't feel like persevering. They don't feel like keeping going. They just, they want it out. And so it's better to say, listen, I'm just tired. I don't want to do it anymore. They say, it's God's fault. And you know what I love about this? Balaam, it is God's fault. Because Balaam knows he's on a cursing mission. He knows he's not allowed because he almost got killed by an angel and the donkey talked to him. So he knows that he's in a jam here. So he's like, look, sorry. I can only say what the Lord tells me. And it says that the Lord gave him a word and put the oracle in his mouth. Now, look what happens in verse 13. It says, then Balak said to him, please come with me to another place from which you may see them. You shall see only the outer part of them and shall not see them all. Curse them for me from there. And so he brought him to the field of Zophim on the top of Pisgah and built seven altars and offered a bull and a ram on each altar. And he said to Balak, stand here by your burnt offerings while I meet the Lord over there. 
Then the Lord met Balaam and put a word in his mouth and said, go back to Balak and thus you shall speak. Verse 17, and so he came to him and there he was standing by his burnt offering and the princes of Moab were with him and Balak said to him, what has the Lord spoken? And he took up his oracle and said, rise up Balak and hear, listen to me, son of Zippor. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said and will he not do? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? Behold, I have received a command to bless. He has blessed, and I cannot reverse it. He has not observed iniquity in Jacob, nor has he seen wickedness in Israel. The Lord his God is with him, and the shout of the king is among them. God brings them out of Egypt. He has strength like a wild ox, for there is no sorcery against Jacob, nor any divination against Israel. It now must be said of Jacob and of Israel, oh, what God has done. Look, a people rises like a lioness and lifts itself up like a lion. It shall not lie down until it devours the prey and drinks the blood of the slain. Then Balak said to Balaam, neither curse them at all, nor bless them at all. And so Balak answered and said to Balak, did I not tell you, saying, all that the Lord speaks, that I must do? This is Balaam's second prophecy. Now, you notice what Balak does. He didn't get the answer he wanted the first time, and he figured, look, this worked once before, so I'm just going to go back to Balaam again, and we're just going to change the scenery. We're going to give him another option. Listen, instead of seeing all of them, we're just going to show you the outside of them. So you don't see all of them, and then you're going to do what I need you to do. So Balak has learned that if he doesn't get what he wants from Balaam, he just kind of changes the details just a little bit, and Balaam will do it. So he tries it again. But sure enough, God meets with Balaam again, gives him a word, says, go tell him what I told you. Notice what he says. He says, Balak, listen up. And he says, God's not a man that he should lie. So God doesn't have the issue of being a human being who will lie about things. He's not the son of man, like literally they're talking about a child, that he should repent. Has he said it and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? Behold, I have received a command to bless. He is blessed. I can't reverse it. Now, you see what he does? He says, look, he's like, God ain't like us. God won't lie. God doesn't get it wrong. God says it, he's going to do it. God's told me, I can't reverse God's blessing on these people. And you know what I love about this? This is why God's given us his word. Jesus is real. Thanks for continuing to journey with Pastor Daniel through the book of Numbers. Today you saw that Balaam blesses the Israelites several times because that's what God told him to do. Pastor Daniel also shared that people often blame God for their unwillingness to do what's asked of them. You learn that it's not okay to use God as an excuse to do what you want. You need to be honest and admit that you don't want to persevere. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. I just want to say thank you for tuning in. I'm so stoked you're a listener of Jesus' Real Radio, and I know Jesus has amazing plans for you. I'd love to hear the story of how God's working in your life. Give us a call here at Jesus' Real Radio at 360-256-4655 or email me at real 
at danielfusco.com. Thanks for joining us today for Jesus is Real Radio. Hey, I wanted to remind you that each day on Facebook, Pastor Daniel shares a simple two-minute message. In this message, Pastor Daniel draws out an important biblical truth that really helps set your day on the right path. So be sure to follow Pastor Daniel Fusco on Facebook and share these two-minute messages with your friends and family. Join us again here on Jesus is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel will continue to explore the story of Balak and Balaam. You'll see that Balaam experiences God in a new way. The Holy Spirit personally visits him, allowing him to see God in the Israelites with truthful clarity. Pastor Daniel will also share the blessing that Balaam declares over the people of God. You'll be reminded that you should do what God asks, even if it's not popular. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series called Wilderness. That's next time on Jesus is Real Radio.